0: Factory Stock Podcast is back. The final preview edition as we get ready for the AAA Texas Fall Nationals, the final race of the season. And on this episode, we delve into the chassis with chassis builder Mike Roth, who talks about the cars and how fun they are to be involved with.
1: Like from my perspective, it's interesting to, you know, you give people a good car like and and they can if you give a you know john deere tractor to some of these guys they'll still make it fast so it's 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 all the little parts working together that's what makes a really good race car and there's a lot of good people in this class that that know a lot about racing and a lot about ratios and a lot about chassis so it's 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 a lot of fun to be involved with for sure
0: we'll learn about the chassis we'll learn about what it takes to go fast and building ships in bottles as MR2 Performance's Mike Roth talks factory stock showdown. Also, we'll get to know Jesse Alexandra, a tough hit early in the season in Kansas, a bounce back in St. Louis. Jesse Alexandra talks about driving these cars and how they feel. The cars
2: are, I mean, they're tight. They're just like driving a streetcar uh, until they get out of shape and, They're meant to go straight and fast, and um, there's just not enough tire to keep it on. You know, if you get it out of shape, they're meant to go straight, not not turning. So correcting it when it's not straight, um, pretty near impossible.
0: Jesse Alexandra, Mike Roth, and of course, the School of Automotive Machinists and Technologies, Brian Massengill, will discuss the 2020 class rules as we get ready for the AAA Texas Fall Nationals. The final race of the 2019 season, a champion will be crowned. Will we have another first-time winner? We will all find out this weekend, and we'll talk about all of it on this edition of Factory Stock Podcast. I'm Joe Costello. I am your podcast host, and it is all coming up on Factory Stock Podcast. Start your education at full speed with the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology. Accelerate your career as a high-performance engine builder with classroom instruction and practical hands-on experience in the lab, on the dyno, and at the track. In addition to blockhead and CNC programs, Samtech now offers motorsport EFI tuning and an Associate of Applied Science degree. Sam is a military-friendly school approved to train veterans and other eligible persons under the GI Bill. Start your education at full speed. Go to samtech.edu. Today, and we have got great guests. Kind of going in a different direction with this week's show, in that we're getting down to the wire. Drew Skillman needs to show up to become the champ. It's going to be great. The final race at the AAA Texas Fall Nationals. But we have decided to go into the depths of the chassis building world. We're going to feature a driver who is on the up and up. We're talking about Mike Roth and Jesse Alexandra, and of course Brian Massengill to bring it all home as the 2020. tech.edu rules have been released. We are not going to go rule by rule in the rule book, though. But I am excited to be headed out to Dallas, Texas. Hopefully, you will all be there. We'll have one more show after this one as we talk to our champ, whoever it will be, and maybe even a first-time race winner, depending on who it all works out to be. But you're going to want to listen to the show to the very end because Brian Massengill's got a cool announcement as we get ready. All right, let's get into it. Joining us now, he is a renowned chassis builder in the Samtech world, factory stock showdown world, and he say, he owns MR2 Performance, you see on many of the cars out there, and works across manufacturer boundaries. Joining us now is Mike Roth. Mike, welcome to Factory Stock Podcast. How are you?
1: Great. Thanks for having me.
0: All right. I got to tell you the story, though, of how you came to be on the show. Uh, we were in St. Louis. And it is Kevin Helms and Kyle Powick, who both listen to the podcast, and I appreciate them, like, connecting us, telling me how, you know, what a character you are, (laughs) frankly, and how, but also how knowledgeable you are of these cars since their inception. And they said flat out, you know, we're going to reach out to him. We're going to tell him you're going to call him. It will be uh, very interesting to everybody out there uh, to hear what you've got to say. So I'm not putting any pressure on you, Mike, but just want to let you know how it all went down.
1: Um, I got into this, the factory, factory supercars, they're not supercars back then, but the drag pack cars initially in, uh, 2009, we got serial number three to finish up for a customer of mine. And so I've been involved, you know, pretty much from the inception. I mean, we took that car with the stock engine and went to the U S nationals and went like qualified number two in stock and never had the engine out of the car. And I was approached by the car owner of uh, uh, David Barton's car owner at the time. He had a 60, the 65 car that he runs and, or ran then. And um, <clears throat> he said, hey, I want you to build me one of these, you know, challengers. You know, I, li- I really like what you did with this one, but I think we can do, you know, maybe do a better car for us. So I contracted with him to build, uh, which actually is Mark Powick's car right now. Um, so I built that car and I built two other ones all at the same time. So it was like a little mini drag pack factory in my shop.
0: Interesting. Now you had some very well-known machines out there that, uh, have caught the eye of a lot of people. Uh, you know, one of them is the driller car. Right. Let's talk about how you got started in chassis building. And if you don't mind revealing your age, uh, I think that will be great for a lot of people out there. You know, we're always trying to encourage people into getting into careers, young people who are interested to get into careers where they do and build and make and use their hands and can be creative and also, uh, you know, do cool stuff like cutting and welding, et cetera, and so on. You have done that with your life. Was that uh, a passion early on? Did you start out like were you a kid who was always hands on? How did that work out?
1: Yeah, my dad My dad had a chassis shop when I was growing up, um, kind of not on really the same level as what we're doing now, and, um, you know, he, he piqued my interest, and I was in the garage, you know, working on tractors or go-karts or, you know, riding three-wheeler, you know, just anything motorsports or anything that ran and drove, so um, I kind of followed that along. My my parents were both teachers, um, and I went to Purdue uh, University for engineering, you know, out of high school, thinking I'm going to build race cars, and um, it, it actually, they didn't have uh, programs like the Sam Tech or, you know, or schools like that where the, you could actually do motorsports sports engineering. Um, and so I was at Purdue and in mechanical engineering technology, and I I felt limited, you know. I'm, I'm building race cars at home, and and I actually ended up dropping out of there and got a teaching degree in secondary English education. So I'm actually a, t- a licensed teacher, or I could be a licensed teacher. Um, so that's kind of something. People don't know about me.
0: Wow, that's interesting. Uh, You know, I know, like, Ryan Newman went to Purdue and that they've got a good program over there. But uh, I love the fact that you're also a teacher. I think it's one of the most, you know, honorable uh, fields that anybody can be in. Is like helping the next generation, you know, get core basic knowledge and all. But you have a passion for racing, right? And so, yeah, that's true. It, it turns out that the cars that you mentioned, and I mentioned the driller car, maybe list a couple of others that are standout, best-appearing, best-engineered, next-level kind of stuff. It's not like, hey, let's throw a roll bar in this car. It's like, yeah, yeah. we need a roll bar, but we want to do some things that are, um, you know, elite.
1: Well, we did, so in 2000, let's see, um, 2003... um, I built this little PT cruiser. It was a super gas car at the time. Um looked like kind of a street PT cruiser and we ended up winning best engineered at the at the US Nationals with it. And then I the first super stock car I ever built was the Super Cuda for a, you know, it was a super stock A hemi which is A automatic back then. And that was at the next year and we actually won best engineered with that car at the 50th Nationals. So it was back to back you know best engineers at the nationals and that and also that was the first super stock car i ever built so i was like well you know dive off the deep end i guess and and then it kind of it's really kind of a blur from there um i built a silver bullet cuda for a really good customer of mine and then actually i got hooked up with uh later on i got hooked up with uh jeff turk um built a he bought one of my customers half finished cars a hemi car and um kind of been doing work for him ever since that I was uh i think 06 or 05 so um obviously you know now it's all factory super super cars copos cobra jets um challengers
0: so let's uh let's dial in on that um you know our listeners uh, we we've found we got fans of the class of course but people within the mm. class, right <laughs> right, like people who are right. uh, like competing and in the class to either get info on their competition or their friends and or just because they're they're interested um, you know i, I don 't need to, i don't I know that there are things that you will not be able to reveal right that are your right. industry secrets, but at the same time, I want to go as far as possible to educating the people who are interested in what goes into building the chassis. For these amazing seven second factory cars we know that General Motors Dodge and Ford build the car and then do a fair amount of stuff to race it up but to compete in factory stock showdown and actually have a chance to win more goes into it can you give us some insight into what that more is and how the process works and you know when you get a car compared to the way it Leaves your shop, those kind of things.
1: Yeah, there's, you know, obviously the three different brands. um, The the Copos, we we kind of do our own thing with those. They show they'll show up. um, I've done them different ways. Um, You know, they a lot of them at first had the eight fifty cages, so everybody was wanting to upgrade to a seven fifty cage, but. In my opinion, I mean, when you're building a race car just just to make it certified to seven fifty is not the the goal in in my opinion it's not the goal it's to build a better race car with the bars that you're actually putting in there so so instead of just you know, hey, we can put this funny car cage in here and we'll make it certified to seven fifty, which a lot of people do we'll we'll actually um, I actually got one in there I'm doing right now um <laughs> cut the whole thing out and start over so you know make a stronger platform to to build everything off of um and make it certified to 750 so it's not just you know i'd rather have a safer car um you know the more rigid you can make it the better the car is going to work and uh um i think it's I, I i don't know i think you can make it make you know there's there's people running them the other way, and there's people running them our way and I like our way better um and I think it's more successful or at least it can be when you you know you're splitting hairs
0: sure and it it makes sense uh you know can can you reveal some of the cars that are out there now? that are racing you already mentioned uh that you did some work with jeff turk you did some work with david barton can you uh you know is there a list of cars that you've uh worked on laid hands on that you consider you know when they go down the track you feel pride because that's one of your cars
1: yeah i um the the first copo that we did was barton's uh david barton's white car um gary wolkowitz owned and uh, i think scott lieberster has it now um and then I did his red car. I did, right before that one, I did uh, Pete Gasco's car, which um, it's got a few different things done on it. Um, but they're per- his and David's car are really similar. And then um, a few years ago, a couple years ago, we did Doug Hampson, um, um, Rich Bieri's car. And then uh, um, I'm trying to think who else. I mean, I've helped a bunch of them. A lot of parts going on cars. I mean, we've done obviously. Powick's car uh, is is David's old Challenger. Um, we've updated it. Um, actually, done quite a quite a bit of work on it here lately, and uh, um, redid Leah's car before last year. Um, it was kind of a kind of a little bit of a disaster. Uh, Kevin kind of contracted me to do some stuff. You know, he found a couple things wrong right before they went into last season. And we found, you know, the problems and fixed them, and then, you know, it. The rest is history on her car, but
0: former champ um, though, last Jeff year's Turk, championship Jeff, car.
1: Yeah, yeah, but it's, it sounds easy, doesn't it? <laughs> but uh, Jeff Turk's um, Blackbird, and I built his or redid his X fifteen. You know, it was a factory car that we didn't have a lot of time on, and uh, um. I can't even think uh, of it. I think of them. you've
0: already made the Too point, many. though. First car in the sevens, period, overall, even though it wasn't at an NHRA event. Uh, the Turk, Turks uh, Blackbird, Leah, El Bandito, maybe the most well known of any of the factory stock showdown cars because of the driver in the championship. Uh, you talked about David Barton's first couple of cars. Uh, so, point proven that when we're talking successful cars, uh, you have done a lot of them out of your MR2 performance shop. You mentioned the rigidity of the car. We say on the microphone, you know, like, you can go and you can order one of these cars. You come out and enter Factory Stock Showdown, which is true technically. But at the same time, just like in Stock Eliminator, anything, just like anything, anything, at the highest levels, you got to do a bunch of stuff, right? So you mentioned the rigidity. In addition, safety, let's uh, let's take safety off the table because we expect that from everybody. In terms of rigidity, these cars, they're so heavy. They're going vertical. They got a nine-inch wide tire. Uh, you know what are some of the challenging aspects of being a chassis builder with these cars? I would imagine it's great because you're getting a relatively new car, so it's not like you got to, you know, uh, go through years of uh, miss uh, miss attempts at working on the chassis, etc. That's got to be the good part of it. But what are some of the challenges dealing with these cars as they come into your shop?
1: I mean, trying to get the thing perfectly straight is the first challenge um you know you, you you miss something an eighth of an inch or 16th in these cars and i mean it'll get out of hand down track real quick so um when we you know i usually measure them all but when they come in some of them are worse than others um some of them are really bad and some of them you there are so bad you can't believe they go down the track and they you know win championships so <laughs> but uh but yeah they uh um you know, we deal with the torque the torque of these things. I think, you know, keeping the keeping the car flat, leaving the starting line, um, anti roll bar stuff, um, trying to keep it um they do a lot. If you if you actually watch videos from the front you can see these things twisting really hard if they're, you know, kind of a stock style car. So we've upgraded um shocks and springs and, you know, everything. I mean it's there's nothing I mean, there's nothing left pretty much when you get done. We have, actually, I have this, um, it's kind of funny story. I have this uh, attic in my shop and we call it the Copo College Fund because it's the, all the extra little copo stuff that you take off the copos. So I have this whole attic full of copo and drag pack and crap that we've taken off and, you know, upgraded or, you know, it's 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 always, it's always an evolution. You, you know, hey, I think we've got got this thing figured out and about the time you think you've got it figured out you're on to the next thing and then you know the next rep, the next evolution so i mean the evolution is probably by the time you get done there's there's a whole pile of parts that hey this stuff worked really good when we made you know 1100 horsepower or 800 horsepower and now when we're making 1300 horsepower now it's not good enough so you know good parts that work good at a certain power level, don't work good at 1400 or 1300 or whoever, you know, whatever power they're making depending on brand.
0: Right, and they and they're going up. So let's uh let's uh, bring bring it down a little bit in that, you know, early on, right? Like the the evolution of the Uh, full body chassis right you know like everybody remembers like the 1970s those slapper bars that were on there right that just kind of planted the rear end and uh, it's like even now if you want to build like a throwback 70s car you put them on and there were always the crazy people who put them on backwards didn't realize what they were doing I remember that happening every once in a while right but then you know ladder bars okay which kind of like it was the advance of that and then you know four links came in and my bracket car has got a four link so these cars in terms of like modern chassis technology what are they using is it a four-link is it something else and uh, i you know this is the cutting edge so what what is it
1: they are they have they come with a factory-based four-link so the original drag pack car um i believe it was based off of a jeep uh platform um so they you know nhra said hey you need to build this like a drag pack challenger had was kind of the first factory car to do this well that and the cobra jet um but they you know hey you need to use a factory or production based pickup points on the on the rear end housing so they kind of took the jeep platform because those cars came with independent suspension from the factory and so they built this you know had strange or whoever built this rear end and and it's kind of a it's kind of a in my opinion it's kind of a band-aided i don't know it's it it's not ideal for sure, I mean it's amazing it does they do what they do with with when you look at the when you look at actually the geometry of the car, it's like there's no way this car should be able to go one fifteen sixty foot, but it's you know power management and everything else that makes it do that, and you start you start looking really close at these things there's a lot of room to improve um you know shot control and and stuff like that, and uh, I mean, I think we've got a good handle on a lot of them right now, but it's you know hey what where's the next where's the
0: next step or what's the next step interesting now uh you know what percentage if you're gonna if you're gonna weigh it out, like what percentage is behind the driver and what percentages uh in front of the driver in terms of you know we can make all the horsepower we want, but if we can't get it to the ground uh then you're you're not going anywhere and at the same time we want to give the tuners as much flexibility as possible so uh like a larger chassis tuning window if you will as i'm thinking right. and how right. is how is that accomplished
1: well you so percentage wise you're probably looking at i mean the cars that i've had on my scales or in my shop you're you're anywhere from 54 on the nose to 52 maybe maybe a little less if somebody jammed a whole bunch of weight in the back. But the thing with these cars is even though, even though, yeah, you want weight on the back tires and you, you still have to keep the front end on the ground or you're going to do a, you know, 600 foot wheelie. Um, so with the torque that they make, I mean, some of them, I don't know the actual numbers. Um, I mean, it's a lot, it's 900 plus, um, Foot pounds, you. It doesn't have. It, you're not going to have troubles transferring weight. So, you could actually probably get away with a little more nose weight, and a lot of guys do move weight around um, on the nose or tighten the front, tighten the front shocks up, you know, to get them down and keep the front end down. I mean, it's kind of a, kind of a fine line between hey, I want to keep the front end down, or, or I'm going to blow the tires off. Um, so, you know, if you tighten it up too tight it won't go down the track if you loosen it up too much it'll flip over on the roof
0: so. right which hasn't happened yet but when, one of these days <laughs> and i don't want it to happen to any we of your call customers
1: it, we, call, we call that going turtle <laughs> <laughs> right you don't want to do that
0: has that happened i mean i know you're laughing i right? don't
1: think that, not not that i, I mean i could, i've seen well jeff turk he, we were threatening him at a division race one time that we were going to Uh, out-qualify him, and he had the Blackbird when it was still in super stock trim, and uh, he didn't tell me, but he loosened the front end one flat and put another degree of timing in it, and that thing was, like, straight up and down. I I think I yelled at his wife about, hey, maybe you should ask me next time before you do that, but it, it went straight. It was pretty much straight up and down and about threw the batteries out of it. When it come crashing down, it was, so... Sandy's, we had a couple cars that were qualified behind him, and we told him we were going to come after him, and he was.
0: <laughs> Sandy is up there right now, laughing at you. But that is, uh, yeah, she a, is,
1: she was, she was. She's like, okay, I'll tell. Sandy says, okay, I'll have him tell you, tell you, ask you next time. But he didn't want to tell you because he was trying to outrun you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, Mike, describe the perfect run because I can tell you as someone who likes to talk about the sport, the class in particular that those three-foot slow-rise to four-foot, maybe even five-foot wheel stands that are power-on for about 300 feet, to me are like majestic and beautiful and fans love them. Like, how could you not? It's exactly how you played with your Hot Wheels cars as a kid, doing things that really never happened. Right. And you know, then there's right. this snatch the tires, wheel stand straight up. And then like a quarter of the way through this season, we started to see the wheels, like one inch off the ground, kind of hovering, uh, style launch. But those have seemed to change now. Now we're back to the wheel stands. What is, if you were going to describe the perfect launch on one of these cars from a performance chassis standpoint what would it look like
1: i think it's kind of a uh, in between of those two which is kind of like hitting a moving target a lot of times because of the track and the air changes and um you, you know you stand when you, if you stand behind these cars enough you see you can see the timing ramping in you know the way the car actually you can see the car actually move so the car will leave the starting line go out you know 30 feet and here's the front end going to drop down just just it's starting to come back down and then all of a sudden you can see like the timing ramp in and it just dangles the tires out there maybe a foot off the ground i mean that's to me that's the perfect run and if you ramp it in too hard then it'll just keep coming up but um trying to get to the 330 the 60 foot numbers to me are not really i mean the 330 numbers are way more important i mean a 60 foot number is for the fans and you know people's egos i think 330 numbers are you know race car numbers i i 60 foot could be anything from hey, the tires coming down in the clock or you're getting it with the back tire you're getting it you know you don't know where the car is landing and you know you you can see it on shock sensors but I think the 330 numbers are way more important. And when you see a car actually stand from behind, it's pretty impressive when you see it leave and you're like, wow. I mean, somebody had posted a video from the U.S. Nationals where, the, where they were standing behind the tree and you could see both cars leave. That's pretty. That's a pretty cool video to, that people need to... I think it's on YouTube or something. I can't remember. I think it was on one of the factory stock Facebook pages. But it was really cool because you could see how hard these things leave. I mean, they're... You know, the Gs aren't crazy but they're continuous and they're and and they pull really hard for a long time so um you know as far as that i would say you know the foot off the ground maybe foot and a half and pouring the coals to it and see what she (laughs) see what she'll take
0: well, exactly. Now, uh, and I appreciate you laying that out for us because uh, there are plenty of times where I'm up on the mic, and you know it's like a 126, 60 foot, except they took it with the rear tires, obviously. Right. <laughs> when I see a one 110, though, I know something good is about to happen.
1: Yeah, exactly. If it if it goes 110 and gets past that little four tenths out where they try to blow the tires off, it, it'll it'll run for sure.
0: Now, uh, what and, I mean,
1: if you go. I think what they go five. Some of the I think the last race they were five oh four to the middle. That's pretty
0: pretty fast. Yeah, to to say the least, like in real a fast thirty five hundred pound car, which is why we love the category. And uh, what what do you think about the you know the parity wars? As a chassis builder, we had to make uh, you know you you have to have an opinion. In that uh, we made many changes in terms of parity. I know on the NMCA side of the world versus the NHRA side of the world, they maybe accomplish it in different ways. But uh, you know the rules for twenty twenty are now out and. Uh, you know, I, I didn't see anything too, um, you know, life altering with the 2020 rules, and uh, you know we're getting ready for our final race. But as uh, in terms of parity of the engines, do you think that they have accomplished what they were setting out to accomplish? Are we finally to where we want to be?
1: I think the way it was at the end of last year was probably really close to being perfect. Um, the problem, the problem with the parity now. I mean, it looks even and it, it's fairly even, but. If you look at the, you know, Skillmans and Butners and and Holbrooks and and people running the Fords, um, I mean, those things are screaming them. They're the, I, I would hate to have their engine budget. Um, so, you know, that that three liter Whipple that's on those things, they're, they're it's really efficient. And you know, even if they're only making eight pounds or ten pounds of boost, they still make a lot of power. But you have to rev it up now that they've taken all the pulley away. You can't, you can't make, you know, 1300 high thirteens or 14 or 1450. You can't do it without spinning it to the moon. And then on, and it's still a wet sump engine. So you're, you know, how much, how many millions do you want to spend to win a championship? I guess, um, on the Ford side of it on the, the Dodges have the two nine Whipple, um, and that's you know I mean Powick sees one up at at uh, St. Louis, so you can't rev them up real high, and um, so I mean there's kind of like it looks close. The racing's really good. Um, I don't know if on the backside it really is as good as it looks from the outside looking in. You know, if you look at if you ask Skillman how much money they've spent, I'm sure. <laughs> I don't think you want to know that number. No, but I, they, I mean. And they they will spend it and, and all these guys will spend it. They don't care, but it's just you know, the 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 copos, um, they're probably I mean, they they rev them high too and they've had head gasket issues obviously and it scares me from a car builder standpoint to hey, you know, these guys are any time they blow a head gasket and stick it in the wall like like David Barton did at uh, Gainesville. So, um you know, and they're they're on the edge. That's for sure. Um, I think the parity it looks close from the outside, but I'm not sure it's uh, the right way to do it. Um, you know, I, I know I've heard I've heard RPM numbers on those Fords, and you know, it's not it's over ten thousand, way over ten thousand.
0: Yeah. So I've heard some numbers. And too. I mean, I've heard <laughs> like I've, there.
1: I've I've heard them shifting at ten ten eight, and um, so. You can tell how high they're going through. You can listen to it. It sounds like a comp car.
0: Right. And then, you know, the
1: Dodges are like the tractor engines.
0: (laughs) No, it it is amazing. So let's, uh, in terms of chassis stuff, is there anything we haven't touched on? I do have one more thing I want to ask you, which is kind of, you know, the dark place of of racing in terms of safety. But uh, in terms of, you know, performance and the technical side of it, is there anything else out there that I maybe don't have the knowledge or education to have known that I should have asked you uh, that is, is something that our listeners, who are fans of Factory Stock Showdown, who love these cars, these supercars from the factory, that you think that they they would benefit by knowing about as uh, you know as cars come into and leave your shop and head to the track.
1: I think I think that the here the thing. So people think that I'm not sure. Um, people think that you, you know, hey, there's only one way to run race a car, um, and and that. The chassis is all of it, but uh, we've kind of proven here lately that you, there, there's different combinations that'll go down the track. So it's, it's pretty cool because there's, there's all kinds of different ways to run a car. So let's just say you had a loose converter and a, and a tight converter in a, in a factory showdown car and the car will act completely different. So you can't just set them all up the same way. You, it's, gear ratio converter rear end gear it's they all have you know I I I sell a lot of parts to a lot of different racers and I can take the same front struts off of let's just say Pete Gasco's car just just to throw a number uh, and I could sell those struts to uh, somebody else that has a copo that is pretty well known and And I could put them on that car and that car won't go down the track. But yet Gasco goes to Virginia and goes down the track every time. So it's, but I can change them a little bit, just a little, just a few little changes and that car will go down and win a race. So same strut. So it's just these little, it's just, it's amazing how much finesse is in these things. And, And it's just from, it's not just chassis. It's the whole combination. It's, it's, gearing and travel and spring rate and i mean it's 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 the whole combination it's and it's so weird that all these different combinations will end up within a couple hundreds of each other at the last you know the last race it was like wow this is pretty cool because all the camaro guys some of the camaro guys are revving their stuff up some of them aren't some of them are you know loose converters. some are tight some of them are you know it's 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 wild and i mean like like you you saw um like Taurus car runs better at Indy and after and i mean it doesn't make any more power it's just different combinations of parts that you know all working together and it we kind of hit on a combination and and it just it works so it's just interesting like from my perspective it's interesting to you know you give people a good car like and and they can if you give a you know John Deere tractor to some of these guys they'll still make it fast so it's 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 all the little parts working together that's what makes a really good race car and there's a lot of good people in this class that that know a lot about racing and a lot about ratios and a lot about chassis so it's 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 a lot of fun to be involved with for
0: sure exciting well the uh it's, it's interesting to hear you say that in terms of um, like powick's car okay which has really come around and good for him love the cowboy want to see him win a race yeah. maybe this weekend in fact Um, but like, you know, the word tune, right? Tune, I think, I don't know where it first came around, but I think it has to do with instruments, right? Like, like they might all be different, but we can tune them so, and, and make them as best as they can be. And then you tune a chassis or tune an engine. You could take the parts off Powell's car and put it on Leah's car and it might not go down the racetrack. And that's the point. Right. Right. And I think that's pretty, it's pretty
1: interesting. I mean, they're all different. They all have their own personalities. That's for sure.
0: Interesting. All right. One one final question, and it's kind of a, a dark thing in that, you know, these cars are going 175 miles per hour. So as much as you're building a car to go quick and fast and launch and transfer weight and put on a show and be thrilling and win races and turn on wind lights, that is all has to happen while at the same time uh, handling the worst possible scenario, which is, you know, like a max speed crash down there. Uh, you know, the factories put the crush zones in cars, and we've seen a few at the top end in the yeah. lights. Uh, you know early on mid track you mentioned barton uh you mentioned there have been a couple Stephen bell hit the hit the wall at St Louis last year um you know, I know you're putting a lot of thought into this. Tell me about some of that stuff, and we know about the seven fifty certification and n h r wants to stay away from that seven fifty you feel confident that these cars in a in a in a tough one down track uh are gonna are gonna hold firm
1: depends on who built it <laughs> um yeah, I mean. The, the cars themselves are from the factory. Even a, a, It's amazing how strong they are just in a stock platform. So, when you start putting the structure in there for the 750 cage and, and the chassis part of the, the inside, I I mean, I build my cars so you could, and I think this is the way I've, I've always built a race car, so you could take the body off of it and still go down the racetrack. I mean, you could, you know, take all the body panels off and still race the car. I mean, you might fall and hit your butt on the ground or something, but <laughs> um, in in theory, that's how I like to build my stuff, where um, it's a, it's a pro-stock car inside of a stocker, basically. Got it. Um, so if you took, you know, let's just say Aaron Stanfield's pro-stock car from this weekend and put it inside a Stephen Bell's Copo Camaro, then that's that's how I would that's how I build a car or I would try to build a car like that it's it's a ship in a bottle really i mean they're they're not hard they're not fun to build
0: it's a ship um, in a bottle that is ship a in a bottle great quote and it makes sense cuz everybody I mean, understands what you're talking about
1: you should see you should see the mirrors and the and the stuff that, i mean we have to weld in these mirrors uh, it's it it'd be fun to make a video of it because it's kind of funny when i've got pictures of me, you know, jammed back in the trunk of these things upside down with my helper running the foot pedal and you're thinking take a picture of me cuz i'm never going to get back in here again <laughs> but uh no it's uh it's uh they're they're definitely safe the middle the the structure of those cars um you've seen i mean even david barton hit the hit that wall at Gainesville. And I mean, it, it, it didn't, I mean, other than a few minor things it, it it's bolt on stuff, um, you know, mostly cosmetic um, and that was a hard hit and it could have been really bad if, if Holbrook would have got into him, but I think it still would have been safe. Even that, I mean, the rocker boxes in these things, the, the, the middle of the car um, where the frame rails come up they're they're really thick and really it's strong. That's for sure
0: wow well great i mean you
1: you look at that like a hellcat look at look at what a hellcat does on the street i mean it's the same thing and it's amazing you know that's a you know german-based platform that that uh daimler platform i mean that thing is it's really strong um actually in uh testing uh last year a power i think they had a brake issue or something at the end of the track and they spun it spun it out and um spun his car out and it banged into the wall and I brought it back and I mean it other than just a few little minor things it didn't really I put the fixture back up in there just to make sure everything was in the right spot and I mean it was rock solid and that's you know that's a pretty good hit um um and it's you know it, it's a lot of a lot of testament to the factory people for doing that uh to, for engineering that stuff that way.
0: Well, and the NHRA has recently changed their rules to allow, uh, you know, factory cars to run quicker and faster. You know, back in the day, if you were in the 11s, you had to put a roll bar in. But, you know, now you can buy a car and you can do a keyboard uh, move to it and all of a sudden the thing runs in the 10s. So what do you do? Like you force a person to get a roll bar and the factory's building them that quick and fast. They should be building them strong. And it looks like and sounds like they are, which is great news right. for people who are not even yep. running in the factory stock showdown mike thank you very much i appreciate the insight the knowledge um about these cars this is exactly what this podcast was started for here we are getting ready for the final race of the season drew skillman is going to go out there and you know lock up the championship and and that is great we got our 2020 rules out pretty much you know very similar to uh to this year's rules and uh, i'm excited to see how this class continues to evolve i know it's uh, beloved by so many, but still, in my opinion, at the the start of its arc. And so I hope everybody stays involved and keeps doing what they're doing. Thank you so much for sharing what you know about it.
1: Thanks for having me on.
0: Thanks, Mike. Mike Roth with us here on Factory Stock Podcast. So interesting to hear what goes into these chassis and how much they can take and how much effort goes into the whole program. And that's one of the reasons we started this podcast. MR2 performance on a lot of the cars out there and literal works of art. And if you ever get a chance to check out the Driller Challenger, it is a super stock car. It is amazing. Thanks to Mike for coming on the show and thanks to Kevin Helms and Kyle Powick for recommending it and it will be uh, the first of several I think because we barely scratched the surface with Mike good stuff but now we're going to shift gears a little bit and speak with a driver who has had an eventful season but is really moving in the right direction and who knows this weekend at the final race the right direction might be right into the winner's circle based on the performances he has had joining us now Jesse Alexandra Jesse welcome to Factory. Stock podcast. How are you?
2: Good, good. Thank you for having me.
0: No, oh, thrilled. How are you doing? Thr- I'm great. Thrilled to have you on because you've had a uh, a an eventful season to say the least. Uh, you know, everybody came out of the box at Gainesville, bright eyed, bushy tailed, excited. Uh, you were doing well. Kansas tagged the wall, big moment. Some people don't bounce back from that. Not only have you bounced back, but St. Louis. You had a great performance. Semi-final round. So you got one race to go. Uh tell me about your prospects for this weekend.
2: Um it's been it's been a long road this year. I um we've had certainly our our highs and lows, but uh yeah, it's been it's been quite a ride. Um we're anxious to uh go into this weekend. We we feel like we have a lot of the, the right stuff going our way and it's been uh been a lot of work this year. Um I've listened to a lot of the other podcasts along the way and just the one the other day with uh Drew Skillman talking about how much work goes into these. I mean, it's unbelievable. Um yeah, he's he's right on the money with that, the the amount of work and um you know, with my setback earlier in the year with the wall, but uh You know, that just on top of all the work, but it's, it's all paying off. It's been, it's been quite a
0: ride. Well, it's, it's, and so entertaining. Like, you know, I don't know that, uh, you, when someone like yourself is in the middle of the fight and you're trying to get to the race, I say it all the time, Like Just showing up at the track is like a victory, right? To make it to the racetrack and then lay down some qualifying passes and all, but the entertainment value for people like myself and fans of the class, it's such a high level, uh, show Um, being involved in it, did you know that it was going to be like this when you decided to go showdown racing?
2: Uh, I didn't, Joe. Uh, last year I mostly did stock throughout the year. Um, I didn't have a car that would, would qualify. Um, I did a few showdown events when I, when stock was full, but, um, it was really just for more seat time and jumping into that this year and making a commitment, um, you know, it, like others have said in the past, it's, it's really a lot of work. I mean, I've changed, uh, this year with, you know, major components with motors and converters and transmissions and rear ends. I've done all of those things more than I did spark plugs last year. I mean, it, and it, it, I mean, it's just crazy the amount of work that goes into this and all the testing and, and, um, all the behind the scenes. I mean, I can't thank the the guys uh, at the Ray Barton shop and David Barton and um, and Ray Barton for finding more horsepower. I mean, it, it, every week, everybody. I mean, all these teams. I I just gotta believe are doing the same thing, and you know, finding that last little bit uh, on that on that ragged edge every week has been an ongoing battle, but uh, a lot of fun definitely a lot of fun yeah
0: well exactly and is it um you know, I'm going to ask, you know, is it worth it? Right. (laughs) Like the, all the extra work, we're hearing everybody talk about it. And some racers love to just go down the racetrack and not that, uh, you know, super gas, that's what super gas is. Those guys work too. But like changing converters, three different converters, different ratios, all that stuff doesn't happen over there. They, they, they spend their time on other things. But when you go out there and put in the effort that you do, of course, that's a challenge. But when you go to the semifinals, like that's got to be what makes it all worth it. And it's like real oh. hardcore drag race here now.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and just to be on the stage with so many great racers. I mean, um, you know, half the people in this class, this is their livelihood. This is what they do. Um, you know, I mean, it, it's just incredible the amount of talent that um, that this, this class has, and it's attracting more all the time, but, um, just to be on the stage with them is great. I mean, and so many of those people have been just, just phenomenal people to, to hang out with. And, and, um, I, I really learned the, uh, this whole thing about the, the sport and the openness and open family type, uh, with all the people, uh, especially when I was down and out with, uh, with the wall issue. Um, almost everybody from our class came over to me. It, if not that day, that, you know, the next time they saw me and just checked up on me and, and, uh, it really, it really, really was amazing. You know, a bunch of great people in this class really, really was great.
0: So true. And, uh, it's been a project though, been a challenging year, uh, uh with all the parity rules adjustments, right? Like uh Chevrolet's got hit a couple times over the course of the year like we need you to make a change or two, uh pulley size, etc. And of course, uh, you know, with that comes other changes, things that are connected. The the Cobra Jets, they had to do maybe a little bit more. Um and now here we are. Last race out, my opinion was that it was maybe the best race of the year for even an unpredictable competition. Right. And, uh, and you had your best race out. So give me your assessment. Like when you're rebuilding your car after Kansas, you, you know, were you considering like, man, do I want to continue this investment? And now when you look back at where the class is, do you feel like they've got it where it needs to be?
2: Um, I, I would say to, to, to start off that, you know, at the beginning of the year, I didn't really understand what that all meant about, you know, parody and keeping it all the same. And, and then after the first event, seeing how the, the you know, the, there was such a wide spread between the different, different brands and how NHRA was so proactive and bringing it all together so quickly. Yes, it was a lot of work and it was a, it was a lot of expense and a lot more testing and, um, but it's been great. They, I mean, yeah, it was worth it. They they did it quickly. Um, on top of that, the, even the bigger issue that I'm really impressed with, uh, the NHRA has made some of these changes, um, you know, just in the safety side of it I- immediately. Uh, I ran earlier this year. I It was before Kansas. I can't remember which track we we're at, but um, Randy Akins and I were next to each other. Uh, I think it was in qualifying, and he he threw a rod or something. I don't know what happened, but I mean, I was in the lane next to him, and I got the oil on the front of the car. I mean, oil wipes off. He he ended up hitting the wall. I mean, I the the very next event, NHRA had already made it mandatory to have those oil containment devices. I mean, that that won't happen again. That's just great that they were on top of that and you know there's been other things since then but um kudos to the nhra for for acting quickly and they and they did it on parity parody just as well um and it's coming together that certainly is will there be more tweaks maybe um i uh i feel the pain though i mean i mean we, i think we all do and um it it can be frustrating i'm sure the fords a, as fast as they were and and uh to get ratcheted down and have to keep, keep working harder at it. They've uh, I'm sure it feels like, you know, getting punished for doing good things, but in the big picture, it's the right thing. And, and I think they've done a great job at it.
0: Yeah. I And you've, if you mentioned listening to hear Drew and Drew has said that they, that's exactly how they feel. They feel like they're being punished for doing, for working hard. But I, I, I see both sides of it and understand, and Drew will have a championship very soon too. Um, <laughs> to hang on his mantle yeah. because of it.
2: It, it yeah i mean what's what's there to argue i mean he worked hard and it's going to pay off
0: so yeah. um it it's
2: uh it's always anything worth achieving is 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 hard work and and they've certainly done it. i mean everybody's done it you know but they've they've certainly have come out on top this year
0: did you ever Did you? Absolutely. Good for them. And, you know, Drew will show up this weekend and it'll be a coronation, but uh, well-deserved, well-deserved. Did you ever find out what caused the incident in Kansas? I, you know, I don't know if we ever followed up on that one. I knew it was a little bit of a mystery early on, Um, you know, some confusing things. I know you had to spend a lot of time fixing the car, but it's amazing how much these cars can take, by the way. We've had a couple of them nose into the wall and a lot of just kind of cosmetic damage. But did you ever find a, uh, a source?
2: Um, I can tell you that we were trying something different with, uh, different brakes, and, you know, I, it, I'm going to, I'm going to say it was probably myself too hard on, uh, on a new set of brakes and just, uh, I didn't pull the chute where I should have. Um, we were having a lot of electrical gremlins we were chasing down early this year. And in that run that that happened, um, my car had shut off and because it was an elimination round. I mean, as soon as it was back on, I was back in it. You know, that was, that was probably my first mistake. And, um, you know, I mean, it, it, you know, Archie was, you know, 400 feet ahead of me. I, there's just no way I'm going to make that up. But I, uh, I got back in it and I, I knew I was going slow enough over the line. I thought that I'd be able to just, do it with the brakes but obviously it wasn't uh wasn't enough i had to use the shoot and i i got it all too late so wow it's, well, it's, it's on me um but it's it's um I, as far as the safety aspect of it and cosmetic it's unbelievable how how these cars i mean they're these cars are meant to go down the highway at 60 miles an hour and keep people safe with airbags and seat belts and whatever but I think that impact was, you know, it was north of six G's and, and I had the Hans device on and I I got out of the car and I'm walking and talking today. I mean, unbelievable the safety. I mean, that, uh, it's just crazy that how well that took it. And it was all unbolting parts. It wasn't any, uh, you know, no structural damage or nothing. It was, it was crazy how, how safe that, NHR keeps us in the sport and General Motors for, for making such a vehicle.
0: Wow. And I appreciate your candor here because I think someone's going to learn from that, right? Like uh, th- that experience to be. To... To say that someone will hear you and not do what you did and learn from it is uh it's at least something positive will come out of it. I'm glad you're able to say that. And uh it's it's also interesting, right? Like the learning curve in these cars. You mentioned that there's people like we talk about Leah, you know, you got Kevin Helms in the thing, Mark Powick is in the thing, Bo, Drew Skillman, uh, you know, the Stanfield family, like there are so many professional level racers that want to be in this category. And then we got, you know, racers like yourself, uh, the the Libishers coming in, they are coming into this class. This is its own unique thing. And, uh, it's very interesting to watch how it all plays out. What about driving the car, Jesse? Like, uh, in terms of performance, you mentioned, uh, you know, we've heard that they're something like this, easy to drive until something happens. How would you characterize it?
2: I, I think that's well said. Um, that, um, the cars are, I mean, they're tight. They're just like driving a streetcar, uh, until they get out of shape and they're meant to go straight and fast. And, um, there's just not enough tire to keep it on. You know, if you get it out of shape, they're meant to go straight, not, not turning. So correcting it when it's not straight, um, pretty near impossible. Um, but, if you keep it from going wrong, you know, you don't have to try to make it right, but uh, there's been a bunch of close calls this year, but that um, those were, I'm going to say guys got lucky, but uh, you know, it's a little tire on the front, a little tire on the back and you know, North of 170 miles an hour. I mean, even, even just partway down the track, these cars are, they're, they're going, more than they can go and correct themselves that a hundred miles an hour with such a small tire is a, is a big deal. So yeah, if we, if we do the right things, we, we all go straight and it's all good. Right.
0: There you go. All right. So Dallas this weekend, final race, bittersweet in that the season comes to a close and this is the last time we're going to see these cars. You know, unless someone goes out and runs comp eliminator, I guess. But um, you know, what are your prospects for the weekend? You're going to want to build on that semifinal finish in St. Louis. How are you going to do it?
2: Uh, yeah, it's, I think we're we're in good shape. But um, like I was saying earlier, the program, uh, our program, has really come together this year, and we, uh, you know, I mean, uh, with uh, David Barton and his crew and working for the power and uh, I know our crew chief travis uh be able to tweak the things and and put the tune on it to make it happen um it's been great um I think we got we got a shot to keep going here so we're i, I just wish the season was just getting started because it seems like we worked so hard to get to this point and and it's gonna wind down here pretty quick but um we'll be out to you know the balance of the year we'll be doing some other events but um more, more for seat time than anything. Not to get, um, not to be competitive in another class or anything. Just to, just to keep testing and doing more seat time.
0: You mentioned Travis Hilger was on Factory Stock podcast earlier this year as a uh, SamTech graduate. And uh, I think that's kind of cool. So talk a little bit about Travis since, uh, you know, one of the reasons we do the podcast is to encourage people that are interested in the category who maybe think, hey, man, I could, I'd love to be involved to, to go to Samtech. Uh, he, how how has it been working with him?
2: It's been great. Uh, I, Travis's his knowledge and what he brings to the team is, is just unbelievable. Uh, the he's, he's got so much knowledge in that fine-tuning tweaking and and you know even on some of the car setup things and um he's he's got his hands full he does uh uh, robert falcon and uh, doug hamp other teammates of mine and um he keeps us all on our toes and he's got it he's got his hands full with the three of us but uh he's he's great um it's amazing that you know somebody could go to a school like sandstech today and come out with the knowledge that puts these guys really on a world stage to, to be in the mix. I mean, there's, you know, some of the other teams have other graduates. Um, so, uh, you know, Brian and the, and the people at Sam's Tech really put out some quality there that it's, it's been great.
0: Amazing. And, stuff. You know, the other
2: teams are showing the same thing, you know, I mean, it's, it's good.
0: Awesome, awesome stuff well i am excited to see you this weekend final race, like i said it's it's you know exciting to put one in the books, but also sad. Was there anything that stuck out in your mind for the twenty twenty rules as uh you know good, bad, or otherwise? I scanned them, and uh, we're going to have Brian Masson go on here in a few minutes to talk about them, but I felt like it was pretty much a carryover for the most part.
2: yeah, um one of the things I did catch is their the mandatory Hans device. Which uh, you know, I'm a believer in. I mean, anybody's ever on the fence with that. I mean, I'm 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 walking and talking proof that it works. I mean, um, I went over and talked to the people at Simpson afterwards, and um, yeah, it's great. It, it's the ticket. Um, I'll be curious if anybody uh, if puts any more into you know, are the Dodgers going to come up with anything for next year? Is there going to be any other? additions to the the ford program or or the gm program i don't know but uh you know i'm glad to see it's it's a class that's growing and so a lot of excitement around
0: it. Very fired up about it. Jesse, thank you for coming on Factory Stock Podcast. Thank you for your efforts this season. Great to see them pay off. Uh, all the Barton cars look like they're really moving in the right direction. I know he would like to get a win uh, this season. And uh, that's what it's all about right now is everybody trying to get that final win of the season. So you have about several months bragging rights leading into the Amelie Motor Oil Gator Nationals in March. Thank you for coming on the show. Yes, yeah, thank you for having me, Joe. Thanks, Jesse. Jesse Alexandra with us here on Factory Stock Podcast. Jesse doing a great job all season long and continues to uh, go out and improve. And that's all you can ask from that big hit in Kansas to a semifinal in St. Louis. And he's got one more race to go out there, make a final, get a win. And it looks like they are marching forward. And uh, I liked what he had to say about the Hans device as well. I really think that all racers that are going fast, required or not required, Uh, should be wearing that deal and uh, it's you know i get it it's a matter of preference but it's not like he has to look back or to the side in factory stock showdown but let's uh let's bring in the man from sam tech let's talk a little bit as we digest the 2020 rules updates and i know he'll be out there for this weekend's race the final race of the 2019 season joining us now brian massingill brian welcome back
3: Hi, Joe. How are you?
0: I am great. I'm excited. I'm fired up, getting ready to get out the door. Head on over to the Texas Motorplex.
3: I'm excited to be there.
0: Yeah, it's going to be good, but uh, also bittersweet and a little sad. Right? The season is over. That's it.
3: That is it. We get to to take a deep breath and and kind of uh, get our wits back about us. At least I do. You've still got a couple races left to go. and I know the racers are looking forward to a great race this weekend. Um, We should have some great weather, and and, uh, hopefully we see some some, uh, great racing.
0: Yes. So, uh, you know, the coronation of Drew Skillman, right? I mean, that's pretty much what we're uh, expecting out here, and uh, rightfully so. From the start of the season, the Skillman group has really taken this very seriously. They said flat out they were on a mission to win this championship, and they're about to do it.
3: Yeah, uh, I agree 100%. And, you know, you got to give a lot of credit over to um, Chris Holbrook also, the, the engine builder there. Um, but uh, definitely got to give a lot of credit to that Skillman team. Uh, fielding two cars, uh, it's really easy to – or I shouldn't say it's really easy. It's easier to learn from two cars than it is from one. Um, you know, they get a uh, chance to set the cars up, and even though they are uh, different years, uh, there's there's a lot to learn there from what works on one to what might work on the other. Um, it's, it's, you know, uh, it, I don't want to call it anticlimactic. It is great for Drew and everyone over at the Skillman team. Obviously last year we had a little bit of more of a points battle going into the final race, but, but, um, this, you know, they might, uh, have lost the war, but there's still a battle to win. So there's going to be a lot, a lot of hungry drivers, um, looking to kind of redeem their season. They haven't had the season that they wanted. Um, I know that's true for the DSR cars over with Powick and, uh, with Leah and, um, and there's, there's a lot of good racing left uh, this season, even with one race
1: left.
0: Well, it is so true in that, uh, you know, there's – there's eight races on the season, right? But there's races that you want to win independently. Like, you want to win the championship. Well, Drew Skillman's got that down. You want to win the U.S. Nationals. Well, Bill Skillman won that. You want to win the Gator Nationals, the first of the season. What else is a standout? You want to be the last winner on the season so you can go into the off season and have the bragging rights or the thrill of victory or whatever you want to call it for the winter break all the way to the next season, where when we show up in Gainesville, we'll be talking about you, whoever you are, because you won the last race. So this is... A very significant race to go out there, and as you mentioned, a lot of people who think they've been working for this moment and they've got something for this race.
3: Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, again, all credit to Skillman's uh, for for getting where they are this season. But um, you know, there's there's still something special for one of these other drivers out there uh, to kind of turn their season around, like like we're talking about. Uh, haven't had the year that they wanted, but they, um, but they, um, they can really turn it around here and, and get some momentum going into the 2020 season.
0: And one racer who's got like a one-off shot to get a Wally and Samtech Factory Stock Showdown, and I'm talking about the Bill Skillman fill-in driver that we have been speculating who it's going to be, and it is going to be former Comp Eliminator World Champ Doug Dahl Jr. out of Massachusetts. And anybody that knows Doug Dahl knows he's an amazing driver, and... He's you put him in a car that can win the like they won the U.S. Nationals. He's going to want to make the most of this opportunity.
2: Oh, absolutely, absolutely.
3: You know, there's um, there's a we got a great turnout. Twenty cars are registered right now. We'll see how many uh, show up on uh, on Friday. But uh, but you know that's that's somebody who's a champion, like you said, who they might get a taste for this and might want to come race with us, and that just adds to the competition and and uh, really shows you know, how serious these guys are taking this class.
0: Exactly. Very exciting. Going to be out there at the Texas Motor Plus this weekend. So the rules for 2020 have been released in a a form. And there's a lot to digest there, and there's some technical knowledge to uh, understand certain things. For instance, Jesse Alexander said he was excited that, uh, you know, Hans devices will be mandatory, the head and neck restraint device, which I, I like that. We were just talking about that. Um, but there are different elements. Some people I've talked to said, yeah, you know, not not a whole lot there. Others, you see the social media crowd on there, and they're, they're angry that, you know, stick shift uh, manual transmissions are not allowed. First of all, there's no manual transmission cars that are. You're not going to qualify with a manual transmission. Like I, I don't quite understand that. Uh, what's your, what's your takeaway from the 2020 rules announcement? Uh,
3: the the big thing for me is that we're going to be in the rule book. You know, we've we've kind of lived on the fringes of of uh, stock eliminator rules with some super stock rules and in this gray area. But the NHRA. Uh, everybody over there uh, has done a really, really good job of defining what the rules are. We, we have these pages that are going to be in the rule book, and so it, gets, it eliminates a lot of the gray area and it, it removes a lot of the doubt or questions that some of these racers might have. Now, obviously, they're always going to have uh, questions and, and try to push the boundaries of everything, so, but this is at, at the very least a great starting point. Um, for what 's going to be available and and excuse me not what 's going to be available what 's going to be allowed in two thousand and twenty and and in this class going forward um, there's there 's a lot of little things I mean we could sit here and read the rule book, but nobody will, will subscribe for next season and, and listen to the rest of this on this year if we did something like that but um, but it just it does it makes it easier for the racers to find what to do, and so if it 's easier for the racers to figure out what they need to be doing with their cars. Then it becomes easier for them to do it to their cars, and then we can grow this class. And it really shows a commitment on the NHRA's part to this, to this class, to this, uh, to this field of all these racers and engine builders and everybody that's competing and talking about and thinking about getting involved in this class. The NHRA is putting this in the rule book, so that makes us a little bit more uh, legit or or uh, permanent. I feel like uh, in this in this. Uh, World of the NHRA.
0: Well, I think that's interesting to hear you say that, and uh, it makes perfect sense. Uh, it's a relatively new class, right? And, you know, any more legitimacy and permanence makes you feel good. And it's also good for the people out there who are are thinking about investing.
3: Right. No, abs- absolutely. Absolutely, it is. Um, big thing, you know, being in the rule books, being able to sit down and say, hey, this is not having to go through NHRA racer.com and go back six months to look at pulley sizes and all that kind of stuff now obviously you're still going to get updates in in our uh you know our our least favorite thing here of parity changes um uh through the NHRA racer.com but but having this established set of rules is really going to help out um some of these racers
0: Excellent. The ones that
3: are racing with us and the ones that want to come racing with us. So yeah, there you go.
0: Well, and, and exactly. And I'm thinking about the people who may or may not, uh, you know, have success this weekend. And, and we want them to go out and, and be with us for the full season next year. And, uh, you know, the schedule, we already talked about it. I think uh, I'm in love with the schedule, the way it all worked out. And now with uh, 2020 rules clarifying and reducing gray area and making it easier for people to understand, all that will be good as well. And I'm sure that uh, as time goes by, some things will pop up as, you know, the the major points of the 2020 rules, uh, you know, update or, or whatever we look at. But the bottom line is we want more cars in category. We want mon- more people to feel like they got a chance to win. And we want to see uh, great competition all year long, but in the end though, you know, Drew Skillman was able to come out on top this year and, uh, I have no doubt he's going to try to go win this race as well.
3: Absolutely. No, no, no I, um, the only way that they, I, I don't see any way that, that Drew isn't going to go out there and compete. He's, he's a great competitor. And, uh, you know, we look forward to having him as our, our champion and kind of, I guess the not necessarily the face, but one of the faces of our, of our class for a few years to come now. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting to to see these, these, uh, again, I, I think of Drew as a sportsman racer who went and did his time in the pros and having success back here in the sportsman ranks. Um, you know, there's going to be some people that, oh, well, DSR just bought it and, and Skillman racing, they came from pro stock and spent all their money in, in this class instead. And, you know, it, it was never i don't think drew ever really had an easy uh way to victory in any of these races that he had this year i think that he uh he and everyone over on that team um uh, really worked their butt off to to get to where they are to to be able to call themselves champions and we'll we'll recap all this obviously uh at next week uh in our in our finale but uh but um, yeah,
0: assuming Drew sh- shows up for the race, right? Like you know, right?
3: Like, yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, I just, I, I actually just got off the phone with him a little while ago, uh, talking, uh, talking about some other uh, factory stock showdown stuff. So, I he said that he'll see me in in Ennis, and and uh, I'm I, I'm pretty sure he'll bring a car with him.
0: So. I, I would imagine, and and that's the <laughs> point of the class is that this is a, in my opinion, you know, a new thing. That's happening at this modern level where you've got pro stock teams like Drew and Bo going into it with what they know, uh, you know, nitro teams like DSR going into it with what they know and hiring people. that. And then sportsman racers. So you got, you know, if we want to use the latter analogy, we got some coming up and some coming down and some all moving in the same place. Uh, it's going to take different attitudes of of how to do it. And some are going to have to realize, like, oh, we need to work more. And some are going to, you know, they're going to do less. And we're going to see how it all plays out. But this year, clearly, pro-stock style Drew Skillman the way they handled it, was the right way to do it.
3: Right. And and that's one of the things, you know, going from the bigger schedule, um, this is kind of them taking it easy. Not that they took it easy, but, but not having to go out But to uh, eight races in, in the season. And, and obviously, I know that they're doing a lot of testing. But... Um, this this must have felt like a much different year than than the ones they've had the last few years running in pro stock, and that's one of the things that I, I think makes this class so great is that it the, you know the shortened schedule really makes things accessible to uh, to people like Bo who are running you know multiple cars and multiple series and running in the pros, and same with Leah, and and you get people like Alan Johnson, Mark Powick, who are these retired pro drivers who are coming in and playing in our sandbox and then you, you get uh, your your true sports racers that are that are out there um that see this class as accessible from a time commitment because they're they have real jobs that you know hey we're not we don't build cars we don't build engines but uh we enjoy racing and, and this is a heads-up series that we like being a part of and, and i appreciate every single one of the drivers that we've had Out there this
0: season, well, I think and last season and every season, well, exactly, without you know on the backs of the forefathers, right, like those people who showed up for the first couple of years, even uh, when it was uh, you know double X versus X, right, where the naturally aspirated <laughs> cars were out there, which as much as that was an interesting idea i'm glad we've evolved the way we have, and I think that the fans are responding it doesn't happen overnight. People don't figure it out. I had someone, uh, you know, talking about NHRA.tv, like, well, you know, how do I record it? It's like, man, it's it's on demand, right? They're like, oh. Right. So whatever the message that you're pushing, two-thirds of the people that you're trying to let know about it, they're not hearing it even. So it's uh, the class is doing a great job for where it is in its overall arc. And it's because of the people who have gone out there and competed and we're getting somewhere. That is certain, uh, certainly true. Uh, well, to me... What's next is to get out there to the racetrack. Uh, You know, we heard from Mike Roth. We heard from Jesse Alexandra. We've got our 2020 rules that do not include any kind of specizing of ECUs or any of that that people were afraid of, which is exciting. And now it's time to go out there and celebrate this class with a big final race and a big celebration. So is there going to be like a giant uh, celebration after it's all over? Do I need to take time off or something?
3: Um. I'll see. I, I think we'll we'll save that for L.A. after uh, after Pomona.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Good. I'll be there. That that works for me.
3: Yep. and maybe we'll do something in Vegas um, at at the NHRA booth. Who knows? But uh, I like we'll, it. We'll definitely. I'm sure Drew's got something up his sleeve. I like for, it for Dallas. So.
0: I like, yeah. yeah, exactly. We'll leave the celebration to Drew, and we'll just come over and pay our congratulations and then hang out for a couple hours. There you go. Brian, <laughs> excellent work. Hey, uh, also, the season of, t- of Factory Stock Podcast coming to a close. There are people that are finding it for the very first time right now. You guys are welcome to go back and listen from the very first one. Take a whole season in. It will not take you that long. And uh, you'll learn a lot about these people, most importantly, and the cars and the parts and all that stuff. But, Brian, you've been like the cornerstone of it. And so thank you for that. I know we're going to do one more with Drew and have you on to wrap up the season, what we may see out there at the AAA Texas Fall Nationals. But all in all, this was a, a good venture, and this is, uh, you know, SamTech supported, and thank you for doing that. And uh, I think it has been a very, very good thing for the category.
3: Absolutely, I agree. I think that, uh, you know, getting a lot of these drivers, uh, you know, everyone knows who Leah Pritchett is uh, if you're listening to this podcast, but you not, you don't necessarily know who Jesse Alexander is. And, and that's, uh, that's what, that's why, you know, when you and I talked at the beginning of the year, um, Hey, what can we do? How can we get out there? How can we get these drivers? How can we get some more focus on this? That's what we sat down and, and our goal was. And I think that we've done that, you know, um, we don't have a million listeners yet, but, uh, we're working on it slowly, but surely. And if you have any questions, um email I'm gonna can I send them to you to email. Sure. And if uh I've got I've got some factory stock showdown stickers and hats that I wanna email out or uh sorry, mail out to some of our listeners. So um Joe at WFO your... your...
0: radio.com. Joe at WFO radio.com. Yeah. If you hear Brian and you think, man, he's giving away something for free, I'm gonna email like send in your email in uh, or email me oh, and we'll Email out...
3: Joe and subscribe and, and, and if you leave a review We'll, uh, we'll go through some reviews, and we'll, uh, we'll read your name out next week, I guess. And if, if, you, if, you, uh, if you read your name, email Joe, and we'll, uh, we'll figure out how to get you uh, some, uh, some Factory Stock Showdown swag uh, at the end of the year the way that it's intended to, uh, because I um, didn't think about it before now.
0: Swag. Well, listen, exactly. Right. We should have said, no it, listen they'll be, they'll be with us all off season long, and they'll be ready to roll for the they 2020 season. Brian, great job, thank you so much.
3: Always, Joe, have a good one.
0: Thanks, Brian, Brian Massengill from samtech.edu, Jesse Alexandra, and Mike Roth, all joining us on this edition of Factory Stock Podcast and remember, he says that if you uh, you know send me an email, Joe at wforadio.com that is the other podcast that I do, which if you haven't heard of that, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. WFO Radio been around for 10 years. Mellow Yellow Series winners every week. Pro Stock, Top Fuel, Funny Car, all of that. Lots of Lucas Oil stuff. You should be subscribed to it and listen every single week with religious fervor. But if you don't, now is the opportunity. Joe at WFORadio.com. And if you write us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, that uh, there's uh, Sam Tech Factory Stock Showdown stickers in it for you. And he's going to facilitate all of that stuff. So do it and send me the email, like with a link or something to your review. I don't know. We're trying to shake you down for reviews is what's happening. At least I'm be straightforward about it. And the idea that you would go back to the very beginning of the season and listen from the very beginning and learn and about all the people that we have spoken with and watch the ebb and flow of the season, I recommend it. I recommend it. You'll be all caught up for... The 2020 season. All right, everybody, if you're going to be out there, please, uh, you know, shout at me. Say, what's up? I tell everybody, yell WFO. In this case, though, you could say Factory Stock Podcast, and I'll know exactly what you guys are talking about. Big thanks to Kevin Helms and Kyle Powick for saying you got to get Mike Roth on the show because he's a genius. And me and Mike, we had a conversation before the conversation, and there's just too much to cover, too much to unpack in one 20-minute interview. So we'll have him back again. And we're going to just try to continue to delve into areas of these cars that you find interesting. So when you send that email about trying to win stickers, please include the areas of these cars that you find interesting so that we can pursue. Uh, It has been a great honor to do this show all year long. It's been helpful to me as well as helpful to, uh, I think, the class and the drivers in that, you know, they got to get tuned up, baby. This is going to be a good category for years to come. they got to be media savvy hopefully this is their uh, you know their training ground so to speak thank you to all you listeners thank you for all you've done thanks to brian maskill jesse alexandra mike roth and everyone who has participated over the course of the year we'll see you in dallas for the final race
1: Start your education at full speed with the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology. Accelerate your career as a high-performance engine builder with classroom instruction and practical hands-on experience in the lab, on the dyno, and at the track. In addition to the blockhead and CNC programs, SAM now offers motorsport, EFI tuning, and an Associates of Applied Science degree. And SAM is a military-friendly school, approved to train veterans and other eligible persons under the GI Bill. Start your education at full speed. Go to samtech.edu today.